Welcome to episode 58 of the In the Pattern podcast. This is Chris. Along with me tonight, I've got two of my good friends, Brad and Mark. Unfortunately, John is not available at this point. He should be joining us a little bit later. Apparently, he's having a little struggle with the Zulu time, as we found out. We also have a couple of uh, special guests this evening uh, from uh, Northern California up there by Mark. We've got Fred Sampson. Hey, guys. Hey. And uh, along with me tonight, I've got uh, Franz with me back in the uh, podcast studio. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Franz. Howdy. All right. Um, so we got a little bit of a special uh, episode coming uh, at you, and um, you know we got a lot of stuff to talk to. I'm afraid this one's going to last a little bit longer than uh, normal, but uh, hopefully everyone enjoys it. We got a lot to catch up on. Everyone enjoying their beginning of winter so far? I'm wondering. Style, yes. Yeah, I'm wondering when it's going to start up here in the cities. <laughs> You know, as, as we're podcasting right now, this is uh, December 7th, also known as Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor Day, that's right. Um, we're sitting here, we've got the windows open, the doors open, the fans going. It's still probably 68 degrees outside right now. <laughs> yeah, I think they said 70 on the way over here. It's pretty nice. Nice. Uh, so anyways, we've got a lot to cover. Uh, a few of us have been doing quite a bit of flying. I think most of us have. And some traveling and so forth. So, uh, you know, anyone anyone care to like kick it off and, and uh, let us know what you've been doing? How about let, Brett? Let, I was gonna say let Brad go first. Yeah, we got yeah we got some uh, stuff that's gonna mix together here. So we might as well might as well do that. Brad, what you been doing? You can get me out of the way. Um, I have uh, so I I think I missed the last episode, but uh, in the meantime uh, I did. Uh, Got to do a little IFR work. I had to get a few approaches in to maintain my uh, IFR currency, and so uh, managed to find a day in. This was back in October, uh, where I could go up and get some actual, and that was that was really nice. I it was it was one of the first times I felt really relaxed on my own in the airplane flying in actual IMC, um, and I didn't have to worry about ice, and I didn't have to worry about. Um, really much of anything that the airplane felt good and, and I was able to kind of make it do what I want. Um, and, uh, got another whole bunch of currency. I flew a bunch of approaches in Oshkosh at the pilot proficiency center. Oh, I remember that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just needed three more in a hold to get completely current, uh, and add another, I don't know, hundred or so days to my, to my IFR currency, which was, which is nice. That'll, that'll get me through, um, uh, at least a good chunk of the winter. Um, and then, uh, uh, grabbed the boy and we flew down to Arkansas, uh, in mid October stopped again in Macon County, uh, not too far from Kansas city in North central, uh, North central Arkansas. That was the same place. Uh, I stopped coming back home the last time. And uh, we grabbed the crew car and met some really nice people and had a bunch of barbecue and then flew on through some pretty good chop, actually, uh, on the way, the rest of the way down to Arkansas, where we found $3.91 a gallon gas. Wow. And I picked up, I want to say 48 gallons, which is nice when you're getting that much fuel. Uh, it's nice that it's cheap at the airport that you're, that is your, also your destination. Uh, and then, yeah, just, um, stayed a few days and got to see family and got to do a flyover of the house on the return trip. Stopped in Des Moines, uh, at the, the main airport in Des Moines, Iowa on the way home and, uh, made it back and, uh, survived another, survived another trip in the airplane. And then, uh, most recently flew, well, I was planning to fly to 
uh, Chicago and pick some folks up on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And the weather uh, was just not going to cooperate. We had pretty hard IFR and ice the whole way uh, and freezing rain and all kinds of bad things. So had to scrub, had to go through the motions and scrub that. And it's one of those trips where when you have a bunch of people and you're planning a, for a group uh, to go flying with, we kind of had to make the judgment call early because of the, the Thanksgiving holiday and not wanting to uh, either get halfway there and have to have to land, you know, in the middle of nowhere uh, and spend Thanksgiving at Podunk Airport in the middle of nothing, um, or give nobody any heads up to to not have a Thanksgiving holiday. Um, so kind of went through the motions with that, uh, and then. But following Thanksgiving, the weather in Wisconsin at least cleared up, and I was able to fly down to Milwaukee um, to a friend's daughter's wedding and uh, discovered that we had a new transponder in the Arrow, and uh, we, have, we now have ADSB out. Um, and that was a first. Uh, so first I had to figure out how to put my IFR transponder code into the, into the transponder because it had... It's a touchscreen. There's no buttons on the entire thing. Oh, nice. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, until you have gloves. Yeah, um, so now you're all set for 2020 and at least that plane. At least that plane is ready for 2020. And I had traffic um, on the Stratus coming into my, into my iPad uh, the whole way there and back. And that was kind of fun to mess around with um, because it, it would light up the, the ADSB out traffic uh, transmitters on the ground. Which plane were you in, Brad? That was in our Aero 3. Okay. Uh, that's the one that uh, that Mark and I flew down to Oshkosh a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, and then flew into General Min- Mitchell International, where some of you have flown into Oshkosh, uh, to go to Oshkosh uh, at uh, MKE, Mike Kilo Echo. Yeah. And uh, paid, uh, got my own runway, uh, the Airliners were all using seven right, and they gave us seven left, <laughs> and uh, uh, paid the forty-six bucks to Signature in lieu of having to rent a car uh, and uh, and driving uh, because the uh, General Mitchell was like five miles from the where the wedding was. Mm. Um, and then on the way out, it was kind of interesting. So temperatures dropped, of course, and the plane was covered in frost, and I at least thought ahead and had brought a little scraper with me so I didn't have to use a credit card. <laughs> That's why I was just saying, think ahead. <laughs> so I was, so I went out and I scraped the plane off and, uh, you know, go back in get passengers and, and get the plane fired up and turn the radios on. And I'm on the, on the clearance delivery frequency to pick up my IFR to get back home. Uh, and I hear, the controller saying, yeah, well, we don't have any more departures tonight. So yeah, you can just do whatever you need to do. Oh, just as I'm picking up my departure clearance, I'm going, well, that's interesting. Mm. And she's like, no, you're, you're fine. You're cleared as filed. You know, this is their departure frequency and here's your squat code and that's fine. I'm like, okay, well, she's like, do your run up right there. And then when you're ready, just switch over to tower and they will take you the rest of the way. I go, oh, okay. That's interesting. I'm not on a movement area of the airport yet. Uh, I'm still on the ramp, and they want me to, okay, fine. You know, so I do my run-up. It's just funny how airports, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't here as much as you, but it's funny how they just come up with their own special procedures. You know? Yeah, and so I call Tower, and I'm like, hey, I'm on the ramp, and I'd like to, to you know, to taxi for my, uh, to taxi to the runway to get my, you know. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're cleared for takeoff. From the from the ramp. That's impressive. From the ramp, I'm cleared for takeoff. No lineup and wait. No, you know, hold short waiting IFR release. Nothing. You're just you're good to go. See ya. 50 miles of you. Don't even worry about it. Whatever. Right. This is at Milwaukee. This isn't at like right. Deer Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. What time of day was this? That was about 9 p.m. Wow. You know, 9 p.m. here in Phoenix is a hot bit hotbed for uh, arrivals. Yeah, there was nothing. Wow. Had the whole place to yourself. Had the whole place. I had a 9,990-foot-long strip of pavement in front of me. You should have did a touch-and-go just to start with without even, you know, <laughs> going around. You could have did a, t- a takeoff, <laughs> a landing, and then a takeoff again. 
I could have done a stop and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then, you know, the rest of the flight was really uneventful, although it was it was late. You know, I we got to Crystal at 11 o'clock at night. And uh, so that was a little bit. Uh, but we made it and it was no big deal. Mm. Um, did the usual cancel IFR just so that I could get around the Bravo without adding an extra 50 miles onto my trip. And uh, an instrument plan, you could cruise right through the Bravo. Yeah, no, they vectored us all the way around. Mil Minneapolis is still hopping at 11 o'clock at night. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's kind of bringing me up to date. I just a, f a few long trips and not too many short ones. Um, I might get one more trip in this year. I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't really planned it out, but I'm at closing out. I'm looking at closing out 2015 at about 50 hours. Uh, and I think roughly 3,000 miles uh, for the year. Mm. Yeah, I'll take it. Take it. It's it. You know, it not as many as I'd like, but but plenty. Yeah, that's uh, and lots of fun trips, and got to see lots of friends and family, and looking forward to doing some more some more trips next year. Um, you know, Osh 16. I'm gonna make another tr run at Sun and Fun, um, and uh, maybe do some Florida flying. That'd be good. We know a bunch of people down there. We know a few. We know a few. They have a big air show every April. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get to that sometime. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch for you and Franz. Yeah, it is. It's a haul. Probably about. You think it's probably about the same amount, same amount to get to Oshkosh. I bet it's not even. I bet it's not any more. I wonder. I bet a fair bit more. If only there was a way to tell. What's the airport name? Uh, it's Lakeland. LA, it's LAL. LAL. That is a haul, isn't it? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 1580 from Deer Valley, direct, if you fly, if you're willing to fly over the Gulf. I think we were, what, 12? Hey! 1230 or 1280 to... Uh, you had 175 knots, it says it's eight and a half hours. That's painful. We were, uh, yeah. and how many gallons? But that's we about twelve eighty at twelve eighty to um, DuPage DPA. What do you mean twelve eighty miles? Oh, so then, that is a stretch more. It's yeah, it's three hundred miles. miles. Yeah, but it's nothing but clear skies. I mean, it's oh yeah. Once you get past the Rockies, Texas well, all that. Yeah. yeah, they don't have thunderstorms in Florida every day or anything. No, hardly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Piece of cake. Look at that stretch of ocean we'd be over. That'd be nice. If you went straight, that is. Yeah, if you if you don't cut the corner or if you if you take the corner and stay over land, it's about sixteen hundred. Yeah. Not a... Yeah, we'll go direct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'll> go southwest. <laughs> right. Uh, it's eleven hundred from me. Mark, it's yeah, a little bit further for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a uh, southwest delta. <laughs> <laughs> about 2400 for mark hmm well cool cool when uh, when you're getting your when you're actual you were like in the clouds or above them or no i was i was uh actual imc until i was on reasonably short final we had about 750 to 800 foot ceilings oh wow and so i was flying for real approaches you know it was take off you're in the clouds until you know you're on short final and then you're out mm-hmm so it was nice. It was good. It was good. I got ILS. I did ILS VOR and GPS approaches, and I did a hold on the GPS approach back into uh, Crystal. Use uh, is, is the uh, Arrow Three have a a good um, autopilot? Um, I was in the Mooney for that particular oh, flight, okay. and it it has a great autopilot. <laughs> it has LNAV and VNAV, so it gives me a artificial glide slope when i fly gps approaches mm -hmm. uh it's it's a joy it, that plane is really is built for it and it really helps me stay ahead of the airplane um because i at least i can just set when i'm getting vectored i can set the heading and i can just kind of work it out um and it's it's fine is that, uh it was set go ahead is that the factory uh um autopilot that came with it no, it's a the Mooney has an S Tech. Oh, nice. And the no, it doesn't. It has it's not an S Tech. I'm spacing on what it is. It's a bizarre. It has two autopilots, one for 
roll and one for pitch. Oh, okay. And it's the the roll one has a twenty eight step checkout that you're supposed to do every time you fly it. Huh? <laughs> and the the pitch one isn't as bad. It's like two or three steps, but it's it's a weird autopilot. Uh, the pitch one is really it doesn't use the trim wheel. It uses the yoke. And so if you uh, a lot of times it'll flash a light letting you know that you need to give it some trim help because it can't hold the pitch down or or up. Oh, and then, and is that the one you have to actually hold a switch on the yoke to override it? No, it, but the switch on the yoke only disconnects the pitch autopilot. It doesn't disconnect the roll. Huh. I mean, it's, it's really, it takes some practice to get used to it so that you're not surprised with like, why is this thing behaving the way it is? Um, but, uh, but it works and, and once you get used to it, it's fine, but you really have to stay on top of it uh, in order to get it to work. I'm hopeful that the next time I fly the Mooney, I'll find it has one of the new transponders in it also. Um, cause that's a really great cross country machine. Absolutely. What is, what is that transponder? Is it a, is it a Garmin? It's not, it's one of the, it's one of the inexpensive ones that it's relatively a new manufacturer that I had never heard of. Well, as long um, as it's certified. <laughs> yeah, it's certified and, you know, it's STC'd yeah. for all of our aircraft and it works fine. It, it's interesting just to see, you know, it's got the tail number that shows up on the, on the LED display and um, you don't, it's a little bit easier working with ATC. They don't need you to squat. They don't need you to ident or give them an altitude. They know your altitude. Yeah. You know, it's got a GPS altimeter and it's got the, you know, it, it's all done. That's uh, that's what a mode C does for you anyways, doesn't it? Well, mode C, you have to verify it with them. Oh. Mm-hmm. Say, you have to tell them what your altitude is. So I guess that's why they say, they ask you to verify your altitude to them, you know. That's why it's always say altitude, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So it's it's a little bit faster for ATC because they already know your tail number. They know where you are and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And does, does, um, I imagine Phoenix has this and you've flown in, in and out of Phoenix a few, um, more than a few times, uh, Chris, do they have the ASD? What is it? ASDX where you have to have the transponder on, on the ground, on the ground. Yeah. Uh, to, to ALT. Yeah. Well, that I thought that was across the board a new thing to where all airports want you to be ALT once you're ready to taxi. No. Yes, that is correct. Oh, it is. Yep. Okay. Well, it, it's on the taxi diagram at at Milwaukee, and I have never seen it anywhere else. I always just leave mine in alt mode. I think but... that was a change this year or something that I had heard. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know that everybody really makes a big deal of it or anything, but. Yeah, well, the airports that I have, I fly in and out of don't have ground radar, so it wouldn't help. Yeah. That is interesting. You do that, don't you, Franz, over at Deer Valley? I yeah. switch from standby over to alt right before I'm ready to take off. Oh, okay. Sounds like now it might be the better move just to leave it on the ALT. Yeah. I'm not sure if they have ground radar over there or not. Um, I'm not either. But someone who, I imagine I could ask somebody over there. But, uh, yeah. That maybe that's just maybe I don't know really what what the deal that was for or what what that was all about or the decision to start <clears> doing that if if the majority of these places don't have ground. Right? Yeah, it might be an ADSB thing because ADSB will still report and maybe they have a receiver on the station and that tells them what your position is. Yeah, I don't know. They're just getting ahead of the game maybe for for that future to come when more and more people have that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that about wraps it up for me. I've, I've, like I said, it's not, it's not been a bunch of little trips. It's just been a few big ones. Nice. And uneventful ones, which is really quite nice. I have to say. Well, we like that when it's uneventful. We don't like filling out reports. Well, and I don't, I like not having to work quite so hard to figure out when I can take off and avoid the ice and the turbulence and everything else. Yeah. So that's a win. Speaking of reports, did you ever hear anything back from Oshkosh when you filled out that report? 
No, they just accept it okay. and they don't, they will not contact you again. Not necessarily an investigation. It's just a informational right. type thing, I guess. Yeah. ASRS is just a, a filing and it's anonymous, so they can't reach back and oh. contact you. Unless they have questions, they won't contact you again. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So thanks, Chris. Huh. <laughs> uh, well, hey, hey, Fred. Hey, Chris. Hey, bud. Other than uh, other than the, the upcoming flight we're going to talk about, what have you been up to? Well, I, I, um, I actually went to Bracket Field uh, uh, two weeks before the flight we did. Really? Um, for, uh, yeah, so there was a, uh, it was the, uh, one of the things that's been eating into my flying is I've been, I've been racing uh, drones at a national level. And uh, the California, <laughs> it's so much fun. And then the California Championship was at the, uh, where you were camping at the fairgrounds. Oh, okay. So we, we loaded up the plane in, in, in Palo Alto and we took the Arrow. Um, and we, the Arrow was a, a really, really great plane to do the San Francisco LA trip. It's about an hour and 50 minutes uh -huh. uh, from, from Palo Alto to uh, Bracket. There's not a lot of airspace uh, between, um, there's not a lot, of, you know, there's not a lot of complex airspace to navigate, so we do it VFR, and it's just a great trip. Uh, so we loaded up the plane, we went there, we did our race, and we flew back, uh, we flew back that night. So that, that was a, it was funny when Mark said, hey, Mark, where are we going? He said, we're going to Bracket. I was, uh, I was just there, and here's the flight plan. And so we <laughs> re literally just replayed and four flight the trip I took a couple weeks before, and we flew that, that trip again. But the drone racing season's over, so uh, I, I'm, I'm going to hopefully try to get convert those hours back now to uh, to flying hours. My uh, my little Grumman's uh, had an engine problem, which we're still trying to resolve. Um, oh. You know, on older on older airplanes, sometimes you take them in for a small thing, and then the mechanic notices something else. He says, "Oh, by the way, did you know that that was done wrong?" And so now we're trying to unravel an engine issue. Oh, Franz, you ever heard of? No, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Oh no, Franz has got no no uh, no, <laughs> no history of that in his in the Mooney ever bringing it in for something small. Something. Oh no, are there more Mooney stories? <laughs> doesn't ever end. Oh, uh, well, Fred, that's that sounds like fun. I so want to get into that that drone racing. What? So so speaking of that, what do you think of the nonsense with the FAA wanting like to license like anything over the size of a freaking postage stamp now? You know, I have my own ideas on that. What they're trying to do right now is they, they want enforcement capability, right? So they if they find a craft somewhere, they want to be able to trace it back somebody to, you know, find them and talk to about what happened. So that's what they're that's what they're laser focused on getting done right now. And they're pushing that through. Yeah. I'm hoping that that will evolve into something a little bit more interesting, like maybe more education, more training. I, I was hoping actually that they'd have something like the ASRS uh, system that Brad was talking about, where if you volunteered information about where you were flying, when you were flying, and your craft and yourself, that you know that would either get you some training or, or maybe, you know, not immunity, but uh, a way to deal with issues when they arise. Uh, as opposed, to, yeah, I, I was hoping they'd do something a little bit different than just plain old registration. Yeah. Um, but as it comes on, we'll, we'll be able to do that. Um, one of the things that was interesting about that trip, though, is I took two. Um, some of you guys, I think Chris, I know you, you are, Mark is as well into RC airplanes. And, and before I started flying drones, I, I had no idea that guys that were into RC were just as, were just as into aviation as, as people like us to fly planes. Yeah. You know, that's just the way that they express their love for aviation and interest in it. So, but um, uh, the guys that fly drones don't. And, um, uh, you know, those are more like sort of skateboarder types or guys that race drones that did that kind of <laughs> Are the guys that race drones just into just into the quadcopter racing and and no other type of RC airplane or anything like that? Uh, I would say a good portion of them, maybe half of them. I think the guys that compete at the national level are just into drones. Yeah, I think there's obviously a fair amount of people that are RC enthusiasts that are also sort of crossing over. But you know, think about it like um, you know when when I'm, I'm a little bit I'm, I'm I guess we're all about the same age here, but you know. When we, when we were kids, we learned to ski, right? Well, at least I learned to ski. And uh, snowboarding came later. And at some point, you've met people that never ski, that they just started snowboarding. And so I think it's a bit the same, right? There's people that are entering the hobby with, with the drones. Okay. But it was amazing to watch. The, I took two guys with me in the airplane. Uh, it was amazing to introduce two newbies to general aviation. Yeah. They could get over the fact that we just got in the airplane. We didn't have to pay anything. Well, pay for the airplane. But we didn't have to pay any fees. We landed somewhere. Yeah. Parked the airplane. Took an Uber to, you know, 10 minutes away to the fairgrounds, 
do it. And they said, when, when do we need to leave us? We can leave whenever we want. And you don't have to be to the airport early. And I am the FAA. And uh, we're not going to check your shoes or anything like that. Exactly. Right? Obviously, we have like tools and things that we take with us. So no issues. We packed the plane up with, with the drones and the food and everything else. And um, you know, it, it, when it was fun, but also just sort of reminds you once in a while that, that when you fly with, with non-pilots, I fly with a lot of pilots, obviously, but when you fly with non-pilots, how magical uh, some of this stuff is sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, the whole thing with the quadcopter and the drone thing or whatever, you know, I just call them quadcopters, you know, but flying FPV, and for people that don't know, that's first person view, obviously, but fly, flying FPV with goggles um, using, you know, radio, you know, wireless, you know, radio waves and a transmitter receiver. Um, we've been doing that for I don't know how many years with airplanes. I, I, and now all of a sudden you throw the thing on a quadcopter. Oh, now there's an FAA issue to deal with, right? Um, because now you've got this stationary device that can hover and loiter, I guess, and maybe get in the way of things. But we've been flying RC planes for I don't know how many years, even with FPV. I don't get it, why there's such a big deal now. You know, there's a, there's a vocal minority, I think. Uh, obviously, when we do this, we, do, we need space, right? And in San Francisco, where I live, space is at a premium, and there's basically almost nowhere we can fly. But when we're at the park somewhere in the field somewhere flying, you know, everybody comes up to you. And we have actually a monitor set up and a pair of goggles that the people that walk by can put on, and, and they can watch what we're doing so that they understand that we're not watching anyone. You know, they can put the goggles on. We call them ride-alongs. You're going to ride along with us. <laughs> Um, along yeah we haven't had anybody throw up yet but we had a couple <laughs> of people get crazy cool uh, and then once but you know it's it's one it's less than one percent of people that come up and that are you know i think we've only ever had one, one person come up and, and be very concerned about what we were doing you know, hey are you guys watching us over the absolutely not you know and yeah i think there's a lot of people that think they're significantly more important than yeah they are because <laughs> quite frankly this is way too much fun do you think you are <laughs> Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that was that was that that was that trip, sort of uh, San Francisco to Bracket, and that's a. I always think of what Brad says, you know, as a as an excuse to use an airplane for the right reason. Well, that's that was a, a a nice an actual trip for a purpose, not for the purpose of you know either staying current or yeah. doing something with the airplane. So that was really fun. So the other guys that were along with you were also uh, um, drone racers. Yep, they were drone racers. They were. Uh, a little bit better than me because I finished behind them at the race. But uh, <laughs> one of the guys, actually, it was kind of fun. One of the guys had some flight time, and so I, I put him in the right seat, and I had him fly um, a lot of the, you know, the the level stuff. I had him fly the, the departure out of uh, out of bracket, you know, and just right around uh, John Wayne and around the LA Bravo there. Uh, so no, it was fun, and he, I think he enjoyed that a lot. And cool, cool. I got to get up there and go flying with you guys sometime. We've been trying to make an excuse to get up that way. Well, guys, I, why don't I just extend the invitation right now to anybody on this call? Chris, Franz, Brad, everybody else, Mark, obviously. Anytime you want to come down, guys, come down. And we'll, we'll, we've got plenty of airplanes to fly, and we've got plenty of people to fly them with. So, um, and, and, you know, I think we get about 363 days of flying weather in San Francisco. <laughs> Anytime you guys want to come down. Nice. Yeah, but how many how many of those are twenty four hour days when you don't have a marine layer or something else that you're dealing with? Well, no, no, exactly, Brad. So, so <laughs> let's just say we get at least three good hours a day for three. <laughs> <laughs> three solid hours. Nice. Solid, solid. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of, uh, you got several planes. So we were talking uh, before we started recording that uh, you guys sold the PT nineteen. Um, have you? Did you replace it with anything or? What are you guys working at with on the, at the club right now for planes? I, I don't know. Since last time we, we talked about that, Chris, but we've got a BT-13. Um, and if you guys are familiar with what that is, it's like a T-6, except it has fixed gear, has a smaller, has a six-cylinder engine, not a nine-cylinder engine. And, uh, but it looks like a little T-6 with, uh, with fixed gear. So, um, so we've got that online now, and the people can get checked out on that. And then, obviously, we've got the pits, the extra, and the Great Lakes, um, as well as... The Volte, yes, I know that plane. Okay, that's cool. It's fun. Uh, it's a it's a it's a big, friendly tail dragger, um, and uh, it doesn't go very fast, but it's a it's a good plane to train on. Right. Have you had a chance to get checked out in it yet? Not yet. Um, I've had the honor of fairing. So, um, with these old airplanes, the the number 
number of people that, that are able to work on them, as well as the mystique around how you choose a mechanic for one of these airplanes. Uh, and so we tend to have to ferry around a lot to go get maintenance for it. Um, and um, I think one time the transponder was down. So we, we solved that problem the way we solve all problems. We took another airplane and we just followed it along that, that airplane. We did a flight of two with one transponder and then we, we uh, escorted <laughs> the, uh, the BT through Bravo airspace. But uh, yeah, I got to see it from the outside, but I have not yet get, gotten a chance to, um, uh, to fly it from the inside. But that, 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 that's coming up soon. Sweet. Sweet. All right. Very envious of that. Sounds fun. Anytime, guys. Just come down. We'll, we'll, we'll do some flying. Hey, Franz, what have you been doing, man? You, you've been hopping around doing this, doing that. You've been going places with the mooning. We, we, you know, last time, you know, we talked, we uh, dropped it off uh, uh, to get the tank sealed, and we did the Oshkosh trip and everything. We had a blast. Yeah, we certainly did. I think... The last time we were on here, we were talking about maintenance issues with her. Actually, it was just after I bought the plane. Oh, yeah. And we hadn't really uh, discussed much beyond that. But, no, we made a good trip to Oshkosh. That was a great trip. We um, left out of here. That was way back in July. So I covered that on, yeah. on a former podcast. But uh, went into Chicago. But I, I went back. Uh, I left the plane after Oshkosh. We flew from Oshkosh up to uh wilmar minnesota uh courtesy of brad coming to pick us up thanks brad again for that uber my pleasure uber via the cherokee six that's right <laughs> <laughs> and uh and dropped it off up at wilmar minnesota uh one thing that anybody out there who pays attention to the i'm kind of a mooney junkie and it sounds like brad is getting hooked too so um one thing with moonies with the wet wings is it's interesting because it seems like all of them at a certain point in their lives will need to have a tank reseal. Uh, the wet wings just eventually the sealant breaks down from the factory and things need to be repaired. So I, and I kind of knew when I, my plane is a 1980, it's an M20K, which is a 231. And when I bought it, I noticed that had not been done yet. So it was, one of those things that it's kind of a matter of uh, when you're going to need it, not if. And so I knew that was something that's going to be coming. Well, I went through a pretty crazy expensive annual uh, last year. And we discovered that there was some fuel odor that was seeping into the airplane. And, you know, we went through and I started doing the research on tank reseals. And interestingly enough, even though we have a Mooney service center here in, in the Phoenix area down at Chandler, Nobody wanted to touch it. It's just a brutal job that nobody wants to do. Um, there are very small access panels into the wing tanks. Um, it's just not, I mean, even if you call Don Max, Maxwell down in Texas, who is kind of the Mooney guru, uh, he doesn't even do tank reseals. He, he sends them away. So mm -hmm. it, it kind of gave me an idea of what I was up against. And so I started doing a lot of research because I knew it was just, we could either band-aid the problem, which we kind of did initially because with the fuel odor that, that we were smelling, we just didn't want to chance anything. So we, I, we found the major issue of the problem, which was a, which was a seal, and kind of put a band-aid on it during the annual process. And for any Mooney owners that listen to this, I, that's probably not something that I would recommend. I think I spent north of $1,000 to do that. We. It did slow the problem, but it, it didn't eliminate it by any means. So you had a process of when you took off, always take off and drain that drain that tank first, obviously, yeah. and you never filled it. Right? No, I never I never topped off the right the right wing. Uh, there was always that odor that if you tried to max it out, you could always smell it. So yeah, it was it was kind of a joke. We only take right turns. Yeah, take right turns out of the field. And, <laughs> But uh, so I started researching and there were a couple different companies nationwide that seemed like that was that was something that they did. But one ultimately stood out and that's the one that we went up to at Wilmar, which originally started out as Wilmar Air Service. And now the company is called Weep No More. Uh, gentleman's name was Paul Beck. And I just I can't say enough for the service that that Paul offered and and what his capability is and his experience on Moonies for, for many, many years now. So thanks to Paul. If he listens to this podcast, I certainly appreciate his help. Um, 
I thought it was I thought it was interesting when we was talking to him. Just how many other things he was coming up with? Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, remember we was talking about we were talking about uh, we were a few pounds um, low on the uh, or a few uh, inches low inches low on the manifold pressure. pressure and he's yeah, Paul just he he knew he that was the other cool thing. He just knows the Mooney aircraft in general from his years working at Wilmar, which Wilmar Air Service is a, a Mooney authorized service center. So so Paul has a lot of experience with those, but. The, the difference that really stood out to me, and I guess the reason I ended up taking it up there, is their process is a chemical strip and reseal. It's not there's not a guy with a whiz wheel and they're <laughs> throwing sparks, you know, and and, and and gutting the inside of your wing tank. It's it's basically a chemical strip and reseal process. And if if I understand the process correctly from my research. I think the, the Mooney factory was actually utilizing this at the end of the production run before they shut down for, for several years. And since then, they've licensed to a, a company on the West Coast, I think up in Oregon or something somewhere. But but it all started in, in Wilmar. And, uh, and it, it, since I got the plane back, uh, there's not been one issue with it. I had to fly back up, and, and Brad, of course, again, courteously <laughs> picked me up and this time he was in his Mooney 201 and, and shuttled me out to Wilmar, made a quick trip out there and picked up the plane and absolutely zero issues whatsoever. I've, I've flown it, gosh, probably 50 hours since I got it back and there's been maybe 40, but there's been zero issues whatsoever with it. So it's really been good. And uh, it, it's interesting you mentioned I, it has been a lot of flying uh, this year. I was looking back through my logbook the other day. I don't think I've had one trip that wasn't across country. <laughs> Every single, it's it's fun, kind of like Brad was alluding to with with going to Milwaukee and then flying down to Arkansas. It's it, it's really cool to be able to get in and and take a trip and and not have you know certainly something long. I'm gonna fly Southwest or something, but anything short of you know seven eight hundred miles I'm, I'm probably just going to jump in and, and take that unless i have to take the family of five along you you went to, i know you went to vegas for sema yeah i had to make were a you, couple trips up there for sema and to henderson were you going back and forth every day no i i had to go set up one day okay. and and then i ended up leaving out of there at dusk and it turned into a night flight on the way back basically a buddy of mine that was also up there um well that was the second trip i guess excuse me we ended up, he was in a VTAIL beach and we kind of, he left about 20 minutes before me and we got back to Phoenix about the same time. So that was kind of a fun trip. But um, it, we, um, you know, it's, it's really, really cool to be able to get in something and just, you know, and I know Fred, you touched on this a little bit with, with coming down to the, uh, the drone races at Bracket. It, I think we're all super, super blessed with the ability to, to do this because, you know, we take it for granted that so many people have to slough through an airport. And, and, you know, we all do it, too. I mean, if we're going to leave to go to mm-hmm. – I had to go to a, a buddy's funeral and um, and fly into Baltimore. And, uh, you know, I jump on a Southwest flight, and it's it's great to be able to jump on there for a couple hours and sleep and then be done. But for for anything under a short distance, I mean, we truly are blessed to be mm-hmm. able to, to jump in and, sure. and take a quick direct flight. There's no TSA. There's, <laughs> there's no nothing. And so it's well, – been a lot of business travel for me this year which has been great um when you went back to pick up your plane you grabbed it and then did you go get your dad and you went oh yeah 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 um so yeah when i when i went back up after uh, brad dropped me off i i actually got stuck in wilmar uh <laughs> some of the famous midwest weather and uh made a a I guess a good call of judgment the first day by spending the night up in Wilmar and, and probably not the best call of judgment the second day. I thought the weather had cleared <laughs> out and I got up in the air and it was a little bit thicker than I wanted. So I, I kind of went up and up and down a little bit and eventually landed at, I think it was SQI, which is Rock Falls, Illinois. And uh, my dad came out from Chicago. DuPage was completely IFR. I, okay. I couldn't get in there. He, so they came out and met me at Rock Falls and met some family out there. And, and we left from there and then went all the way out to Virginia. I had to go to Danville, Virginia. Um, one of the cars we represent is built out near the Virginia International Raceway. So went out there for a meeting and uh, and my dad, uh, so I wouldn't have to spend the, the whole flight back to Phoenix from the East Coast by myself. He, he flew back out. So we had a a true cross country adventure from Virginia back to Phoenix and wow. put a lot of hours on the airplane. It was a really special trip and 
Um, cool. But yeah, it was a it was it was just fantastic. And the cool thing is your dad your dad's a an old Mooney owner too. He is. Uh, he he had a an M twenty. It was an M20E Chaparral, uh, late 60s, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And it's funny that you mentioned that, Chris, because I, I had a chance to track down his tail number. It's still out and there. And it's still out there. <laughs> the plane is in Colorado, and I don't know, probably it's had to be two years ago now. I I found out who it was. You know, you go look up the tail number on Google and all that, and, and I made contact with the guy. Oh, and cool. He invited me to come up and look at it, <laughs> and I still haven't done that, unfortunately. I need to, but... Isn't that, isn't that the coolest thing about aviation, you know? It really like, is. Like, everybody would just wants to be friends together, it seems like. It's one of those small niche things that the community just, like, helps one another out. Well, it's cool because, you know, he, the, the gentleman who bought that airplane from my dad was the guy who taught the current owner how to fly. Oh, okay. And so the current owner of my dad's old airplane rode around in the back of this airplane as a young kid. And then when that owner of that airplane passed along, he actually donated the Mooney to the current owner. And so the current owner now takes his son for a ride in the airplane. Of course, when I was like two years old, I was riding in the back. And it's just such a cool thing when you look at general aviation and the... The you know the family and and oh and the current owner of that Mooney by the way because of his time in that is he's a professional pilot now he flies I forget which airline but he's an airline pilot okay so it's just it's total full circle I mean it's amazing how how it all works out but it's, yeah pretty special trip a lot of good flying lately a lot of a lot of business flying and um, it's it's I've really really enjoyed it so I'm going nice. in for annual later this month and then I'll is hopefully it time for that again it's time for that oh. you know? <laughs> It's well, you know you you only get eleven months of the year or so right with the annual. Yeah, you're uh, eventually you got to pay the piper and yep. It, it's it's about that time again. But we got a lot of stuff straight straightened out the last time and uh, the plane was an annual I think for what Chris three months. Yeah, it felt like that. Oh my gosh, it was it was forever. And you know we. We we did a lot of upgrades and we we changed everything to LED lighting and just did you know did some things that I really wanted to do a different new interior, and then most of it though was was necessity a number two cylinder that had to be replaced and some unexpected things along the way but such is is the adventure of mm-hmm. of uh, of having a plane and going through it I guess it was it's it's all been a good experience though I don't regret any of it. You got to do the so Franz. So, Franz, with all this cross-country travel, are you anchoring for a uh, instrument rating? Is that something that uh, that 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 your cross-country experience is starting to say, "Hey, can we?" Or have you encountered any situations where you've you've been limited by that? Uh, I definitely have, Fred. Uh, coming out of Wilmar was, um, you know, I'm not proud to admit it, but it was I was I was flat out illegal here for <laughs> for, for a little bit. And we use the word marginal to describe Thank you. I appreciate that. Like that. Special Very marginal, yeah. <laughs> <Special>. <laughs> it, it was one of those things where it was a judgment call, and, and I, I still, if I if I had to repeat it, I would do the exact same thing, and I think it was I think it was the right call. Um, but, yeah, in, in answer to your question, it I definitely, I would definitely want to go that route, and I've got a friend from church who flies a Bonanza who's instrument rated, and uh, we were just talking here yesterday or Saturday night, I guess it was about, um, he's, he's due for his, uh, his 90 day checkout or whatever. And I far, so I'm going to go up and go up with him and practice some approaches. And so I really would like to do it. It's just being self-employed. It's kind of tough to get the time and, and all of us to, to move forward with that, but it's definitely something that I want to do, need to do. Same here. It's on my bucket. I keep saying to myself, I really want to knock it out next year. I'd like to have it done, or at least halfway done by by Oshkosh. But we'll see. We'll see how the the computer side work business starts picking up or not. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I need some more. Well, I it seems like it, and Andy included the guy we know from yeah. church. I mean, he, I think he he just took like two weeks off of work or something and just tr- knocked out the the majority of it doing it oh. that way. And it seems like that's. If you're busy, it seems like that's that's a really good way to go is is to you know just try to really really focus on and, and knock it out. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, Mark, what's up, buddy? Yeah, so yeah, I've 
I want to say I've done a lot of flying. Uh, technically, I've done a lot of hours, but not multiple flights. Um, uh, I, I hooked up with uh, with Fred. I don't have my logbook in front of me. It. Uh, do you remember when we did that, Fred? That trip to Harris Ranch. Ooh. Oh, that was uh, August. Um, was it in August? I, I, it was August twenty eighth or the, the end of August. Oh. August 29th, Mark is what it was. There you go. So that's perfect. So. Um, this is going to lead with me referring to Fred for, for information. This is going to lead right up into our big adventure that we did that, uh, we were, we had all over the, uh, social media, but, uh, so August, uh, August 29th, um, I, uh, we had, I had reached out to, uh, Fred and, uh, and, um, and Ron, uh, Captain Ron, um, because the one of the groups that, that we're all a, a, a part of, even though I don't live in the Bay Area, uh, San Carlos Flight Center, they do these fly-out group um, meetings. So it, to make general aviation fun, they pick these locations where everybody can um, either go from San Carlos and fly together to someplace like uh, Napa Valley or Nut Tree or... Uh, Half Moon Bay, uh, and this this particular trip, we decided to go down to Harris Ranch. And for those that aren't familiar with Harris Ranch, it's one of the largest cattle farms in all of California, and it's down uh, Interstate Five. I'd say probably Bakersfield. Is that about right? Yeah, maybe a little bit closer to Lamore, right? So maybe yeah, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like matter of fact, we, the were, down. Yeah. we were right under Lamore's uh, 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 MOA, so. So yeah, we we talked about that, and and we figured, you know what? Instead, let, let's meet up earlier, and uh, because I'd shown uh, some interest in uh, starting to learn formation, um, which uh, tr- triggered Fred. He's like, absolutely, and Ron's like, oh, absolutely. So we ended up meeting earlier. I uh, I left here out of Lincoln and flew to Tracy Airport, which is out in the middle of nowhere, kind of. Uh, more toward, I'd say it's probably two thirds of the way to the Bay Area and a little bit to the south. Um, and then uh, Ron and um, and Fred uh, met me there, and uh, we jostled people around. And Fred uh, flew right seat with me since uh, he's he's the go-to guy. Uh, he, so he was my instructor, and uh, Ron flew lead. And I have a bunch of really good video. I just have not had time to uh, to completely edit it all. Um, I need to finish that up, but, uh, so we took off out of Tracy, um, did all of the formation, uh, ground stuff that we needed to do. We briefed everything and then, uh, we uh, started engines, um, and there's a whole procedure that you go down through and, you know, without getting super technical about it, it's, it's really kind of cool to do because you feel like you're, you know, like one of the jet teams, you know, when they taxi out, it's all formation on the ground and everything. and, And that's what we were doing. Um, and it was really cool. So, we took off out of, out of Tracy, and uh, uh, I did my best to catch Ron right away. But uh, um, the plane that we were in was well. I guess it's White Lightning, who we've who we've been flying a lot lately. Um, I call it, we call it White Lightning, and I Fred gave it that nickname um, because it is a uh, Piper Warrior that has a uh, 180 horse um, engine in it. So it's basically the same as the archer in the arrow so it's got yeah it's got a little bit more oomph which is which is really nice to to have Um, and it's got a big yellow lightning bolt on the side too so it does it's a it's a white airframe with a big yellow white uh lightning bolt so uh it makes me laugh like when chris you were talking about white lightning earlier but a whole different meaning (laughs) and so i did i never put two and two together until you were talking about that but um Anyway, so I ended up, uh, we ended up finally catching up to Ron in, uh, in not too short order and um, worked on um, basically uh, coming up in the number two position, which is the right wing, and getting used to being in the correct, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Fred, the, uh, the correct position? The position, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to be in the right position, you have to be in a five foot uh, offset from your wingtips and five feet from nose to tail uh, from your lead aircraft and, and getting comfortable being that close to another aircraft. Uh, um, it takes a lot of trust and I absolutely trusted Ron and I knew that, you know, he's been doing it a long time and I had Fred right there. So if, you know, if I dumb thumbed that he was ready to, 
you know, smack me around and take control or do whatever we needed to do. But, you know, luckily that never happened. Um, but it really is, um, if you're not used to it, um, it, it's, it's a mental workload that you're so focused on trying to get yourself in this right position, um, that, uh, you know, you're constantly on the throttle, you're on the stick, you're, you're, you're trying to maintain this position and, you know, it, it, it's draining after a little bit. Of, uh, so it was kind of nice. We were able to back off a little bit. Okay. Breathe, relax. Okay. Tighten it back up. And then we did some, um, some step unders, um, to go over to the, uh, to the left wing. And that was actually kind of cool. And, uh, we did that for a little bit. Um, one of the, uh, the, the guy that was in the series, Fred, he's one of your instructors at the school or. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was my friend Dan. He's both a CFI as well as a, uh, formation instructor in our team. So he does both, but he's a, he's a full on CFI like Ron is. Perfect. So, um, he had some problems getting, I think he had an, uh, SR20, SR22, uh, 22. Yeah. The 22. So he had some, uh, some, uh, he, uh, having a trouble getting it started. Um, so we actually took off and probably by the time we were, I would say downwind, he finally, he finally got it started back up and, uh, but he, he being in the Cirrus, of course he, he caught up to us in no time. And, uh, but it was kind of cool. He stayed back distance. Um, my mom, was actually in the series with him and, and they were taking pictures and, you know, kind of staying back and watching. And she said that was the coolest thing she'd ever seen was to be back at a distance watching me and somebody else fly formation together. Um, and, and now doing it a, a couple of times now it's, it's, uh, uh, it's addicting. Let's just say that. <laughs> Sounds like fun. So, um, Go ahead. So Mark, we, we had that plan. We had that planned out for you. So obviously, Ron, um, Dan, and I met in Palo Alto to brief this mm-hmm. and figure out what we we're going to do. Uh, by the way, you know the 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 one of your team not being able to start is actually something that we brief and we practice for, so we know what to do when that happens. Obviously, you don't want to wait there forever, and he needs to be able to catch up. Those are all procedures we work through. But but we had planned this out, so we knew we were going to have a passenger. We knew it was going to be either your daughter or your mom, and we actually. We had a secret code word that we had that we had planned out, and then we went, and Ron and I had set this up so that at some point in the flight, I was going to hold you on the right wing, and we're going to and we had Dan come in and sneak into the left wing position, right a beam with us, and so now Mark and his mom are flying formation about fifteen feet apart, you know, but just in different airplanes. So um, I just thought that was a pretty awesome moment. Um, she had she was beaming by the time we got to Harris Ranch. She was like. That was the coolest thing we've ever done, and I, I, and you know she was hooked too, and you know she wants nothing to do with with actual hands on the controls, but 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 sitting there being part of the uh, the whole thing, uh, that completely made her her year, I guess if she you know put it in her words. Uh, so yeah, we did some uh, we did some other stuff, and then and then uh, I was kind of mentally fried um, after I don't know forty five minutes an hour. Um, so Fred showed me a bunch of other, uh, things that we could do and how to, you know, better manipulate the controls and the power to, to, to change position and to, to actually get in a, in a, uh, a low trail position, um, which is means you're right below the tail of your lead, uh, kind of the slot, uh, if you will, for those that, that know the, you know, yep. the air show lingo. So we were holding in the slot position and, and that was super cool. I mean, it was really super cool to do that, um. So then we got down to Harris Ranch, and uh, we were probably five miles out, and we all broke apart and got got our separation and uh, and uh, landed. Um, and for those that have never been down there, the runway is about as wide as a driveway, and I'm I'm, I'm being sarcastic. It's not much wider than the street, um, but uh, it takes a little it takes a little uh, it takes some good concentration. And if you if you're not somebody who lands on the center line land on the center line a lot before you go down to Harris Ranch um, because uh, you're going to want to have that uh, that uh, that fine-tuned landing when you go down there. A little narrow, you're saying? It's narrow, and it's not super it's, long. They've had several I think, accidents I think it's, down there. I think it's 35 feet by 2,700 feet. Um, it's also right next to the highway, but there's a slight elevation change. So if you're using the highway as your height reference, which most people do, you end up coming at a little bit too high um, on the runway. I mean, it's if you're able to land at a, at a normal small G airport, it, it should be okay, but it's it's just a strip. There's no, no taxiways, there's no buildings. It just It's absolutely just a strip with a, a fuel pump and a parking lot. 
So, so yeah, it's but it's a great place to go. Um, the the restaurant is right there. You can walk from the parking area right over to the restaurant. Uh, some of the best steak uh, in in the country there. Um, we we all sat and had a great dinner, and then uh, it, uh, like I said, this these flyouts usually tend to happen during a full moon. So um, that was kind of nice coming back home. Uh, during the full moon, you know, you could really see the entire valley besides seeing all the, you know, the city lights. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that was our, the first, my, I, I can honestly say that was my first long distance adventure solo, uh, going somewhere and actually having a mission. And that was kind of cool because, you know, a lot of private pilots, once you get your license, you're like, okay, now what am I going to do? And, and I don't like to, I mean, I love to fly. Don't get me wrong. I think we all do. But to, to just get in the airplane and just go do pattern work or to go out and do air work, it's boring. I mean, there's really no purpose. To go take your friends for a ride, cool. But after you do it about the third or fourth time, you're like, okay, I need a purpose for this, for this certificate. Um, and this was a first, you know, real purpose. I, I've gone to a couple of the shorter ones that are, you know, closer to me. And those are kind of cool because they're half hour away. Boom, go have dinner, come back. That was fun. This one was a was a stretch out. So to go to Tracy was about a half hour flight. And then I think down to Harris Ranch from Tracy was probably an hour, uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, so it was nice to be able to, to stretch out and go, hey, you know what? I can actually do this. I can navigate. I can, I can mix it up with other aircraft in the airspace. And I can... Uh, you know, I can talk to ATC comfortably, and they know who I am, and you know, I don't sound like a like a, an idiot on the radio. And it was it was great. It was a great experience. And then coming back at night, it was it was super quiet. So, you know, being able to cut straight through instead of having to, to vert around some of the other airspace was was kind of nice. And, but coming back up the Sacramento Valley, it's it's very very easy to do anyway. Um, so that that really was a good prep for what we did last weekend um and the 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 big thing i say what we did it was myself and fred and um chris and franz <laughs> and a few other people we we end up making it was a great big adventure and i i posted it that my our, our flying adventure of the weekend um so i'll go ahead and preface what that is we all got together and, and chris goes camping every year down in um uh, near Brackett Field in uh, it's Pomona, right? Yeah, Pomona. Okay, so um, they do a big KOA campground thing, and if you haven't seen the pictures of his camping, that's not camping. That's 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 luxury living down there. What they were doing with these these kitchens that they had set up, it was phenomenal. That's um, but uh, Chris's idea of roughing it is a stainless steel meat cutter with shaved prime rib sandwiches. Exactly. As soon as I saw those pictures, I was just like, yeah, that's not roughing it at all. I never did even show you the pictures of the bar. Oh, my gosh. Which was ridiculous. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we started talking about this about a month out, I think. We're like, you know what? Let's do it. So I reached out to Fred and I reached out to Ron and I'm like, hey, let's do this trip. I mean, the the, the, the intent was to meet, go down and meet uh, meet Chris down at, at Brackett Field and then take a quick hop out to Catalina for lunch. And, I mean, it's like – it's the ultimate $100 hamburger. I mean, it, between Fred and I, it was a little more than 100 bucks, But <laughs> it, was, it was well worth the adventure because the people that we got to see, the places we got to go, the things we got to do. And as far as Fred and I are concerned, and I'll go, I'll go a little bit more to detail about what we did um, – was an experience that really set me up to go to the next phase of my flying. Um, and that is I'm, I'm starting, I'm finally starting the ground school for my instrument, uh, January 4th. Nice. So to be able to go through and experience the intense of the SoCal airspace. Um, and, and, and Fred and I had a couple of conversations about this. It's like, I'm really glad that he was there. And I think it was reciprocated too, because there was a point in time where, I had to fly and he had to, to plan and navigate. And, and I don't think either one of us would have been able to do it without the other um, going down solo. I, we probably would have done fine, but it's just having that security of having somebody there to, to, to check. It's like a check and balance between back and forth between the two of us. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we did it that way. Definitely something so about having 
that second person in the right seat, even if they're not a pilot, I found just to be watching like the moving map for you and stuff like that and just keeping their head out the window looking for traffic that gives you a little bit more comfort to where you're feeling a little bit more confident about what you're doing in a busy airspace. Unless that right seat non-pilot is five years old like mine was. What? Uh... <laughs> Jackson's the ultimate right seater. Even if he is on a, on a stool. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. So we're going to go ahead and break here and continue on with the great adventure to Catalina uh, in our continuation episode, episode 58, Bravo of the In The Pattern podcast. Uh, Just a reminder before we close out, you can reach all of us at In The Pattern on Twitter, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash In The Pattern podcast. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found on our website at inthepatternpodcast.com. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 58 alpha of the In The Pattern podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com.